Hey y'all, welcome back to a Thursday, July 14th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. We've got a three-part show for you guys today, uh, jam-packed show over the rest of the week, but uh, especially today we got uh, we got things started with Carlin Gay of The Sporting News to talk all things NBA, uh, Damian Lillard and uh, Bradley Beal's extensions with their team and where those two teams are headed in the not-too-distant future, uh, what a Donovan Mitchell deal looks like, if the Knicks can present the best offer to Utah, um, some summer league early uh, surprises and guys that uh, Carlin is really fascinated by and has been impressed by to this point, and the NBA deciding to remove the take uh, foul in transition, which is uh, going to be a big change for the NBA going forward. So it was a lot of fun to talk with Carlin about all things NBA as we kick off uh, this three-parter here on a Thursday on the Chase Most Podcast. Don't forget, if you'd like to watch this very program, it's very easy to do so. YouTube.com slash Chase Most Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff over there. Um, just all kinds of great content all over our YouTube page. Uh, you can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. New content every single day on your favorite podcast player feed. Uh, and also, just thank you for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen. Uh, wherever and however you listen, we appreciate you making the Chase Most Podcast part of your day. So, three-parter coming up in just one second as we start off with Carlin Gay. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. We're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. Old friend Carlin Gay is here, who's rocking a Buffalo Bills hat. Carlin, are you a Bills guy? And we never talked about this before. It's the only team I really root for. Uh, okay. Buffalo, Buffalo Bills football. I, I, outside of that, I'm not a fan of really anything else. But. Um, yeah, Buffalo Bills football. I married into a Miami Heat family, so mm. maybe I should say that you know I'm a Heat supporter. I guess I wouldn't just call myself a fan. Mm. Uh, I'm a Canes fan now too. Um, okay, I could consider myself a Canes fan. So Canes, Canes as in Carolina Hurricanes. No, no, uh, K- her, the real Hurricanes. Miami oh, the real Hurricanes, Hurricanes Miami, because you're in North Carolina. Okay, I thought. I you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, people don't care about hockey here though. Wow, Raleigh, Raleigh. Huh? but yeah. the state. Eh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there you I love go. hockey. I'm a Canadian, so it's, yeah. you know it's my uh, <laughs> it's the sport I grew up with. But you know, in Charlotte, we don't care about hockey. Interesting. Um, well, we're going to talk about some things that you and I both care about, which is the NBA and yes. where things are going. And uh, NBA, fingers crossed, they keep their stuff together for 24 to 48 hours to make sure that everybody can get this pod and don't just. Uh, skim through because they're like oh wow this is already outdated so fingers crossed that that does not uh, turn out to be the case Um, but I know two things that will be for certain uh, that are certainly uh, on the docket for the foreseeable future which is Damian Lillard uh, signing a long-term extension with the Blazers he already was on the docket for a couple years now you just add two more years to it so he wants to really finish out his prime and finish out his career in Portland and then Bradley Beal signing Supermax with Washington and he gets a no trade clause, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, something that we don't see very often in the NBA. So both guys lock into teams that uh, would very much like to be back in the playoffs next year. That would very much like to keep this thing moving and figure it out through the middle. And a lot of folks have uh, some interesting perspectives on this, but I want to get your perspective, Carlin, because from where I'm sitting, I think if you're a fan of both dc and portland i think this is a win because i do think 
there is real value in just having someone to latch on to and just still have your star and like it's still fun. To, you understand that it's going to be hard to turn this team into a contender, but at least you know you still have your guy and you still have an opportunity and like you have an administration that can get creative and figure stuff out. But at least you're still in in this world where it's a possibility instead of just wandering the desert and just hoping you stumble on to the next Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard. You're like, let's just see this through. I think there's there's real value. And I think it's a good look for both organizations. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's it's a return to old school, right? Like mm. it's a return to, you know, guys being loyal to the franchises that drafted them, guys being loyal to the franchises that help them develop into the superstars that they are, um, you know, and, and the franchise being ro- loyal right back in terms of, you know, not mucking around with any contract situations, but giving Bradley Beal the Supermax, even though you know you're not close to really contending, he's your guy. And if you are going to contend, he's going to have to be around for the foreseeable future. So I, I think that's great on both sides. I think if Bradley Beal hit the open market, how he'd get a max. But how many teams, if they were allowed to, how many teams would go out of their way and give him a Supermax, right? Like, I know that's not allowed when you're a free agent, but just – Remove that rule out of there mm. and just say to yourself, how many teams in the NBA right now would sign Bradley Beal to Supermax? And you'd be surprised by how, how small that number would be. Mm. Everybody would want Bradley Beal on their team. Everybody can't really afford to have Bradley Beal on their team, can, you know, given the roster construction. So um, I would, uh, you know, I, in terms of, you know, just the raw signing, if you just look at it on paper, I know a lot of people are like, well, they're never going to win there. That's fine. You know, some people are loyal and, and and want to turn bad situations into great situations rather than just running to a great situation and seeing if you could see it through. And on the other side, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, right? Like both of those guys could have kicked and screamed their way out of town and gone to a quote-unquote championship contender and still lost. And then mm. what does that do for their legacies, right? Like at least here you have a home. Um, you know, you, you can always go back to, you know, uh, you know, the Northwest if you're Dame Lillard and, you know, D.C. if you're Brad um, and and their jerseys are going to be retired someday. Um, you know, they'll never have to pay for a meal in that city. Uh, you know, th- they are they are creeping up when you talk about best players in franchise history. Both of them are creeping up into that top five. If Bradley Beal is not already there, I'd be shocked. And same for, you know, Dame. He's, he's probably in, in that top five now and has a shot you know, when it's all said and done to be probably number one. I agree. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting because the wizards, I mean, the East, I think there's an easier path for Beal and this group to figure it out and to climb back up uh, in the East. And I wonder what this means for how they prioritize certain young guys, how they prioritize, uh, just filling out the rest of this roster, who stays, who goes, like, do they continue to wait on Rui and hope that he develops into what they want him to develop? Uh, Thomas Bryant, obviously out the building now. um, And we'll see what happens in uh, Los Angeles. But I am curious to see what they do because I think Portland's plan is pretty clear. Like Portland, I mean, Anthony Simons is part of this short-term like window for them. And he's been a big hit for them. So they deserve a lot of credit for developing uh, Simons and turning him to a really, really good player. Um, and him just blossoming without Dame with the abdominal issue last year was huge for them because uh, it gave him an opportunity that he would not have had. Uh, otherwise, you trade for Jeremy Grant, guy he likes a lot. 
um, who will be a really good player for them. You re-sign Nurkic, and you're like, hey, Shaden Sharp is a huge wild card, but he is one we can gamble on here, and we can see kind of like that Wiseman thing where we'll see. Like, he's a high upside guy, and uh, like he's maybe the best scorer in the draft, and that could be a thing. And we, we have a track record of developing, so we'll see if that works. And they're probably a play-in team next year. The Wiz, I think, is a little bit different, where I think they still have a lot more work to do, and I think we're still a little bit more unclear as to who their best five is and how they should approach this summer do you do you have more questions and answers when it comes to the wizards next year than the blazers i do in terms of not just not the roster per se but the plan that they have in place to get to where they want to go i think in portland with the hiring of mike schmitz you you kind of see the writing on the wall in terms of we know we're not a market that's a destination market for free agents we know we're not going to you know be able to to go and get the uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, just in the trade scenario, if uh, if that ever comes up, because we're we're not one of those markets that say that people want to say, hey, let's add this team to our list. Portland has never been that. Right. So they got to draft and develop. And, you know, having a Mike Schmitz on your, you know, in your front office, he's the perfect guy to identify talent all over the world and be able to bring them into Portland. Um, and then we've seen, as you said, you know, the development there is, has been incredible. Dame's turned into a superstar. Uh, let's not forget what they did for CJ McCollum. Um, mm. You know, Nurkic has been a nice player when he's healthy. Um, and now you add, you know, Anthony Simons to that and uh, potentially Shaden Sharp. And can they even get more out of Jeremy Grant? So mm. there, there's a lot there. Uh, and, and not for nothing, you know, you know, trading uh, Gary Trent Jr., who I know is now in Toronto, he's another player who, you know, Portland was able to find and, and, and develop a little bit. And he turned into a valuable trade ship. Uh, they got back Norman Powell, who they moved off of. But Gary Trent Jr. is, is a fan favorite in Toronto right now. Um, and a lot of that was done in Portland. So I, I think I see where they're going in terms of what they want to build there. DC is, is a little different. They do have a lot of question marks in terms of their path, but also the roster. Like, what does Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Dame, you know, uh, Bradley Beal look like when they hit the court together? Mm. Uh, are we ever going to see the, you know, the ceiling for Denny Advia, uh, a guy who I, I was really high on coming into the draft? He was, uh, you know, when the All-Star game was here in Charlotte in 2019 uh, at the Basketball Without Borders camp, he was by far the best player on the floor, and he ended mm. up being the MVP that weekend. And at that time, he was playing pro in Europe uh, for, mm. for Maccabi Tel Aviv. So um, he, he is a guy that I, you know, I'm waiting to see him just kind of take that next leap and find his way uh, in the NBA. Same where we're here. Well, what's Chimura. been the issue with him? Why do you think it hasn't happened in Washington? I think it's, it's a lot. You know, roles, fits, they, they, they haven't really given, given him clear guidelines of to, hey, this is what we need out of you on a nightly basis. Mm. Guys have been in and out of the lineup. He's played, uh, you know, seasons without the, the go-to guy and, had to find his way. There's, there's, you know, he had to Spencer Dinwiddie situation where, um, you know, that, so that team has had a lot of turnover since he's been there. So there mm-hmm. hasn't really been a clear cut path for him to kind of really develop. Uh, I think he's talented though. I think he'll figure it out. Um, you know, you, you just have to get there with him and uh, you know, maybe we find out this season. So, you know, the Thomas Bryant thing, unfortunate, he was a, a player that I'm really high on, but just mm-hmm. never was healthy. Uh, and now he's out of there. So you have, you had a lot of questions with with the with the Wizards. I do think though, if they were able to get it all together and and they're healthy this season, I think they're a playing team. Like that, mm. we don't talk enough about divisions in basketball, Chase. But you know, the Eastern Conference South uh, East division isn't the toughest. Like it's, it, you're not running into Brooklyn every game. You're not running into the Celtics every game. You're playing Atlanta. 
you're playing the Hornets, right? Like that, you're playing the Heat. Um, you know, it's a winnable division. And I know the Heat were the number one seed a year ago. I know Atlanta got better, but Charlotte's right there on that cusp. I don't feel I don't feel like you know the Wizards are that much worse than Charlotte. And that was a playing team a year ago. Oh, Charlotte's in. Like Steve Clifford had like he raises the ceiling to a point where it's like uh, death taxes steve clifford's making the playoffs like right. go ahead and lock it in i don't know how much money i i, I may mortgage the future just mortgage the <laughs> like the charlotte hornets are making the playoffs folks like that's just in steve clifford is not allowing anything other than it where they're an eight seed they're a seven seed doesn't matter that's what's happening so Char- charlotte's like we're getting that playoff gate revenue shout out to my guy steve clifford all he does is make the playoffs they're in so you yeah. talk about the southeast the, the, the hornets are in yeah, and it, well, if you're that confident in the Hornets, I don't see why you wouldn't be that confident in the Wizards because that last mm-hmm. team that we didn't mention yet is the Orlando Magic, and guess what? Yeah. They're not going to be winning more than 25 games this season, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of losses there. And if you're in the division, you want to make sure that you're at least getting 500 with the, the, the Heat if you're the, with the Wizards. You know, you, you want to best the Hornets. You want to best the Magic, and then we'll see what happens because Atlanta, I think, has gotten better, so I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know where you get there. But if you're able to beat up on the Magic and the Hornets, you find yourself right where you want to be and, and that's at least the play-in tournament so i uh, i think that the hornets are sorry the wizards have a shot at the play-in tournament health is going to be the biggest thing for them because they really haven't had that on their side and a lot of the guys that i have questions about porzingis number one uh advia um you know you you can go down the list uh hachimura and, and even bradley beal um they haven't been entirely healthy uh over the last two years they also just have intriguing guys like Corey Kispert. We'll see what he has. He might be starting this year. I love the Dylan Wright signing. Like he was great for Atlanta. I'm going to mm-hmm. miss him um, in Washington. You draft Johnny Davis, um, older player, but high upside guy where we don't know. Like he, he was a really me, good. He reminds me a lot of Brandon Roy, a lot of Brandon Roy. And that's huge. If you have Bradley Beal and Johnny Davis, two different timelines, but we don't see this enough where maybe that uh, like that expedites his development is being able to play with someone like Bradley Beal and a high usage guy where Johnny Davis has less pressure on him because he's running with an all-star like he's running with an all-NBA player and Bradley Beal so I'm very curious to see how Wes until junior manages this rotation because you have Monty Morris in there and Will Barton as well they have a lot of ball handlers and you talked about Avija like there is a lot of dudes who are going to have to learn how to play off the ball and learn how to do things off the ball because it's just going to be a lot of folks who can who can initiate offense and who can do stuff like Kuzma will be fine like his role is unique in what they're trying to do and I think he'll get a lot of good looks and a lot of good shots but I think they've gotten to the point where they have eight or nine guys that I would feel good about if I'm unsettled. Like you have eight or nine guys in this rotation that I think you'll be able to count on with a wild card in Johnny Davis. And I think ultimately that's a good place to be. And if uh, Porzingis is healthy this year, I mean him and Gafford, if that's how you're splitting up your big man rotation, like that's a really good spot to be in. Like they're very, very different players, but it's pretty great. And it it makes the Thomas Bryant uh, departure hurt significantly less. I you can easily talk yourself into a seven, eight seed uh, Wizards team this year with this group, right? Yeah, I mean they were they were two games out of the play in tournament a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Or actually, they were they, they were more than that. They're eight games out of the play in tournament, um, two games behind the Knicks. And if you're optimistic about the Knicks and what they did bringing in Jalen Brunson, I think you have to feel 
the same with the horn with the wizards um you know the one thing that i i noticed while watching and i didn't watch a ton of wizards games no one really does mm. but as you know i do my week long uh, yes you know, i did it all year pass. man you've yeah. put me on i tell people about it i'm like carlin gay had the secret and it works and yeah. it's just such a great thing a game changer right so mm. I, as you know i watched I, you know and the one thing that stuck out from washington to me was that they played hard mm. and you know if you're a good team uh, or or a decent team just playing hard gets you five extra wins a year um you know and 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 that i think the wizard will be a, a plus on the wizard side and, and and one of the check marks that you can have if you're west Soul juniors is maintaining just a a level of toughness a level of play the entire season because you're, you're not good enough to take nights off right like we we know that mm. they weren't good enough to take nights off a year ago without bradley beal um so it, it just simply hey you bring it every night We'll see where the chips fall. And most teams, that even the bad ones, as long as they play hard, they're going to be around 500. And I think 500 will be good enough to get you in a play-in tournament. And it's also upside. Like, this is a group where Davis could be something, Kispert could be something. Mm-hmm. Um, I Porzingis could be healthy and back to a really interesting level. Like, it's never happened in our lifetime, but, you know, we could. We well, could and then your guy. Like, he could just pop with this group. Unseld might have something for him where he finds the right role and the right mix and he's just a much better player because he's just he's another lottery guy that it hasn't been that long ago um and he's not old enough where you're like all right this is who he is like that that you have to open yourself up to that possibility so for folks who are like oh they're building through the middle it's like well they still have guys that could pop and change the entire trajectory of this franchise around bradley Beal over the next couple years and beal might love this this group he might love playing with johnny davis he might love uh, being the leader for this group and being able to navigate the middle because not everyone has to do a teardown. Not everyone has to do this ugly mess and just hope that you finally stumble into a Palabank Caro if you're Orlando and you're like, all right, we finally found someone who can get us out of this muck. But I don't know. It's hard and it's uh, it's rough. And I, I like seeing teams build in completely different ways. And I think what DC is trying to do with Tommy Shepard is interesting. And I, I'm just wanting to see what happens. And if you're a DC fan, you're like, hey, when we go to these games this year, like we know we're going to be competitive. We know this front office and this ownership group is still going to try and figure this out with our all-star. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's a good good spot to be in because a lot of owners around the league and a lot of other situations may not go this way. Yeah, there's value in making the playoffs. And I think people yeah. overlook that a lot, especially in the NBA. Like winning is not hard at all. Yes. I, mean, I mean, winning is hard. It's hard. It's very tough. And there's only one. Um, so it, it is very, very hard to just take that for granted. And I feel like we do a lot in the NBA. One team wins every yeah. year. It's yeah. just success should not be viewed in that prism. I mean, college football fans especially have this net down pack. And this is where the college football playoff messes up a lot of stuff where it's just it's never what it's about. It's like, no, it's regular season sport. And uh, one team wins. And there's a lot of teams in FBS and only a couple actually have a realistic shot of doing it every year. And if you that's the prism and that's the lens that you view the sport through i think you're just gonna mostly have a bad time like hawks fans like you probably won't win the title this year like it's still not enough but man you can have a lot of fun watching uh dejounte murray and trey and seeing how this works and you can be really good you just want to be in the conversation like that's that's the main thing you want to be in the conversation and watch good basketball and And then guess what two years ago the hawks were in the conversation right Mm -hmm. and and this is a better team than it was two years ago i know there's there was some loss in terms of galinari and he was important but Keeping, I think John Collins is important. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I, I, I think he is one of 
the most underrated clutch players in the NBA. Like oh, he, you're speaking my language. He comes on the court and thinks he's better than everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, give me the ball the last two minutes of the game and I'll, I'll, I'll carry you guys. Like, I think if you had a top five ranking of dudes that aren't afraid of the big moment, he's in that top five. Well, you know, I love that you brought that up because I tell Atlanta fans who are like, they wanted Bogey out and Herder to stay. And I'm like, there's a fundamental difference between how those two guys are wired. Mm-hmm. And I think Trey respects Bogey in a significant way where you look at Bogey's usage in Atlanta. Uh, he's the highest usage guard that Trey's played with. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the few guys that Trey will play off the ball for. Like he'll let Bogey bring the ball up the court. He'll let Bogey initiate the offense and stuff. And part of that, like you said, is that irrational confidence but bogey's also a vet and he's also proven to trey that hey i can do this too like your turn my turn works for me and this works for us and herder is not wired like that herder is like i'll like i'm gonna fade and i need plays run for me i need you to call me to come off this curl like you need he needs to be told to go do this and bogey's like no i'm going to do this i'm gonna beat milwaukee by myself and (laughs) that's just how he's wired and that's incredibly important come playoff time like that's who i want out of a third guard like herder is a good glue guy but in terms of just how trey and this team is wired i'm not surprised they're going with bogey over herder uh for the foreseeable future yeah, and now you free up more minutes where you don't have mm. to juggle. Um, you know, you know that even if Bogey's shot's not falling, he's going to get those a lot of minutes. And same thing for Herter too. You know, Herter leaving and going to uh, Sacramento changes things for him because now he doesn't have to look over his shoulder every time he has a bad game and wonder mm-hmm. or not if he's going to get back in uh, if he misses an assignment or anything like that. So I think it works out splitting these guys up. And oh, by the way, and let's not forget that you know, if healthy, DeAndre Hunter is a pretty good, you know, third slash fourth option um, on any team. So I'm I'm excited to see what the Hawks can do. As long as they're healthy, I think they're going to be a, a tough out and surprise again. Back to divisions, you know, they they have a chance to 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 challenge the Heat at the top of that division um, and 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 really make things interesting in that Southeast. Everything comes down to Nyaka and Congo, I think, for them. Like yeah. Hunter is just the injuries. Like it just with Murray now in the building, like he's not going to have the usage. He's not going to have the opportunities. Like it's just defense. Like he just needs to yeah, be on the floor for defense. Defender. Yeah. Like that's it. Like the usage is gone. Like Hunter is never going to have like a 27 usage. Like there's no path for that for him, but Anyaka taking that next step and him developing a shot and him being the guy who can defend all five positions. Like he's still the, he's the last important lottery guy in this Atlanta core. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately whether or not they get into real contention, uh, back in real contention, it comes down to how Nate manages Anyeka and what kind of player he is this year and next year. And I think that is the most important thing. Trey's going to be good. Murray's going to be good. Hunter, we'll see. Uh, it's just health with him, but it's ultimately Anyeka. Like, there's no more lot- high lottery picks. There's no more other options. The picks are gone. Like, you've moved right. all those picks. Um, Jalen Johnson didn't play last year. Uh, that's a huge just whatever. We'll see. But it's Anyeka, and he's shown flashes. And if he's like a Bam Adebayo type, and he develops into that player, then that changes everything with Atlanta. Yeah. That changes everything. Title contender, right? Right. Like you, you got Trey. You got your. You know. You got a best two. One of the mm-hmm. best two weight players in the league. You have that third option, and then that wild card in in Bogey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that makes you a, a title team. Um, I, and I and I'm I'm high on John Collins. I know he's been in rumors for the last two years. He's like, mm-hmm. um, but I thought what he showed us in the postseason in that run to the conference finals was exactly what you needed from him. Is mm-hmm. he going to do that for 82 games of regular season? Probably not. But he proved that when the stakes are high, he can be a winning player. And it, it doesn't have to be, hey, give me the ball. Let me just go 20 and 10. It could be 8 you know, eight and 8 
and I'm going to guard. I'm going to dive on the floor mm-hmm. for loose balls. I'm going to take a charge here and there. And I think that's what I had to see out of him to, to prove to me, um, you know, that he could be a, someone on a winning team. Because before that, I, I thought he was a good, you know, bad bad team, good stats guy. Mm-hmm. And, and now I think that he's a, a plus winning player. So he, he's a he's a key to me and they're able to keep him um, say, you know, safe of an upgrade. If they're able to upgrade at that position over him, I don't know how many players are, are really better suited to fit in, into that scheme right now. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very, very uh, happy for Atlanta that they were able to keep him um, and, and still upgrade to get DeJounte Murray in the backcourt. I mean, there's one guy and if he's not available, the Hawks just have to keep him. If it's like Harrison Barnes, not available sure. and Sacramento can, is not going to move off uh, Harrison Barnes. And like that, that's a thing that would help spacing. That would be a bet that you want in the room, want a title. Like that's someone you want to pair with Trey and DeJounte and you want to throw him in there. Um, if Sacramento's into it, that's it. But by and large, I'm sure it's just the thing with trading Collins has always been uh, that I've told Hawks fans is that like they're getting worse now Mm -hmm. and the whole point of trading for DeJounte Murray is to get this thing back on track you're going to get a pick or you're going to get someone of lesser value than John Collins if you move him now right and you're I I just it's Travis Schlink knows this like they're in a spot where it's like you kind of have to bring him back because you're not going to get someone at the level or better than John Collins at the four it's just not going to happen so then you're looking at a situation where and Yaka's going to have to start at the four and you're going to have to see if him and Capella and the spacing is good enough to make that work and if not Okay, Mo Harkless, come on down. You're starting at the floor or four or Jalen Johnson. I know you didn't play it all last year, but uh, <laughs> now is your time to shine on a team that's desperate to win now and get back in the top four in the East. So I think you kind of just have to, but I, I'm pro John Collins like you. All he's done is get better every single year. He's also just a vocal leader. Mm-hmm. And that's not who Trey is. That's not who he's ever been. And that's okay. Like Trey's just not that guy. But you need someone to go to war with who's going to get this team on track and not be afraid to try and dunk on Joel Embiid in an important playoff series. And right. Joel, and like John Collins is that like he is a vocal leader who will you want to ride and die with in a playoff series. And that was always my biggest fear of trading him is just that like I don't know who the leader becomes. Like I don't know where that leadership void falls in the locker room because Trey is an all time great player, all star. He's not wired like that. He's just not that guy. He's not going to psych the rest of his teammates up. He's not going to be the dude who's just getting the ninth and 10th guy on the bench hyped up for this. Like that's John right. Collins. And I, I think there's real value in that, uh, especially come postseason time. So I'm not surprised that he's still in Atlanta Hawk. I think he's a really, really tough guy to move. Yeah. I want well, one more thing before we get off the Hawks here. I think Hawks fans are going to be surprised pleasantly by the leadership that DeJounte Murray brings to the table. Mm. This is a guy. Yes. He's young in age, Super mature. Once you start mm-hmm. hearing him talk, you'll be very, very shocked about you know just his maturity level and where he's at and his perspective that he brings. He he sounds. You close you close your eyes. He sounds like he's been in the league for ten years. He, mm-hmm. he is that much uh, of a, of a old soul, so to speak. Um, and you know, coming from the culture that he came from in San Antonio, I think is going to do well for Atlanta because that just that little bit of um, you know leadership that you you think that the Hawks might have been missing. I think they got that not only in the player on the floor, but off the floor uh, in DeJounte Murray. I like it. Um, Donovan Mitchell uh, may be traded by the time this goes up. Uh, we'll see. Um, I I don't know what the right deal, because you saw what Rudy Gobert got um, mm-hmm. from Minnesota, and he's a more valuable player than Rudy Gobert. Uh, significantly younger. And you see the Knicks are like as an inevitability from Brian Norris, I think, today. Uh, I think that came out from him. But... Man, 
I don't know what the trade's going to look like for him. It's just going to be a lot. And I, whew, what do you, what do you think? What does it look like um, for a uh, Donovan Mitchell trade? Because the quote from uh, Windhorse today on ESPN said, quote, the New York Knicks have eight tradable first round picks and a need and a desire for a star player like Mitchell, who's from the New York area. Some people believe this is an inevitability. Um, I mean, we've been down this road with New York so many times. And then when you, if you're a Knicks fan, you see inevitability, mm-hmm. like just get ready for the heartbreak because I don't know, like this would be, I mean, eight first round picks. They have eight tradable first round picks. We saw five, uh, for Gobert, Murray, uh, four or five. I can't remember. Is Murray four. I don't remember. It was a lot. It might've been five too. Um, but it's going to be a lot. It's probably going to be more than both of those guys. And that is just, if you're the Knicks, you're like, all right, might as well. Like we just signed Jalen Brunson, um, RJ Barrett and Julius Randall. I'm sure would have to be included in this kind of deal, but I don't know what, what do you think about the fit of Brunson and Mitchell in New York? What do you think of Utah moving on? Would you not consider just seeing what Mitchell looks like without Gobert and with this group and getting some, some young draft assets in the draft and just seeing like, Hey, you're the guy we're going to rebuild around you and we'll find you your, uh, your um, Jalen Brown. Like we'll see who that guy is, but we'll mm-hmm. just stick with us for a couple of years and let, uh, let me go to work because Danny Ainge does have a track record of, of doing just that. Or do you follow suit and you just trade a trade Mitchell for a cornucopia of picks from New York or somebody like that. If I'm Utah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving Mitchell as fast as I can. I, huh. I think I'm not as high on Donovan Mitchell as a lot of people are. Is he an all-star? Absolutely. Is he uh, a player that averaged 36 in a playoff series in the bubble? Yes, he is. He is a mm-hmm. dynamic player, but I think of, you know, the ceiling that your team has, if he's the best player on your team, and we saw that the last couple of seasons with the Utah Jazz, right? Like the Jazz on paper should have been a lot better than they ended up being. Like that, mm. you know, one deep playoff run, and I wouldn't even really call it that deep. Um, you know, going to the second round, pushing it, you know, pushing towards the conference finals. That that never really, that never really, they never really threatened, in my opinion, in the Mitchell years and Gobert years of a team that looks like they were going to get to the finals and win a championship. And mm. you know, I know injuries were a part of that. Mitchell was included in that. I know the you know playing the Gobert off the floor. Uh, that's that's obviously you know been overstated over the years. Uh, and then guys around them got hurt. Joe Ingles was a big loss this season for them. Uh, you know, the year before that, Conley was in and out of the lineup, and he was supposed to be the guy that take them over the top. In saying all that, I'm still not you know convinced that Donovan Mitchell is a guy that you mortgage your future to get. So if I'm the Jazz, I will take every pick you want to offer for him. Because I, I don't think that the Jazz can build around Donovan Mitchell. He's not a player, in my opinion, that you build around. I actually think he's different than Bradley Beal and uh, Dame Lillard. He's probably in that tier below both of those guys, in my hmm. opinion. Um, so, it, 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 you know, if you're the Jazz, you get rid of him as soon as you can and for as much as you can. On the other end, if you're the Knicks, I, I think, you know, the Knicks have every – they own every pick, uh, every one of their own picks – um, for future drafts, they're owed a 2023 first round pick from Dallas. I know it's top 10 protected. Um, they also have, you know, uh, from from Washington, uh, a top 14 pick coming their way in 2023. So they potentially could have three first round picks, um, you know, uh, even four uh, first round picks in 2023 uh, because they also are owed a uh, Pistons pick, which is top 18 protected. 
probably won't convey in 2023 because the Pistons are probably not going to be a great team. So they'll keep their pick. But that that is another option, right, that you could put on the table and say, hey, we got four first-rounders for next year's draft, the draft that Victor Womanyan is in. What's up? So, you know, for me, um, you know, if you're Utah, you're saying to yourself, do we really want to, um, you know, take the chances of building around Mitchell or should we go all in on getting this Victor Wembanyama guy that's, you know, a unicorn and could be a, uh, you know, could be the next Giannis. Mm-hmm. I would say go for it. And if you're Knicks, the Knicks, um, you know, you say to yourself, hey, Utah, you're desperate to, to hit the reset button. We're not going to give you all these picks. We're still – because even with Mitchell and Brunson uh, on, on the roster – that's still not good enough. That's not a championship team. You're still going to have to be able to find pieces to fit around them. That's a puny backcourt, right? Like that's a tiny backcourt um, in, in an era where most backcourts are <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you still have to see how both of those players would be able to fit together, considering that both of them do their best work with the ball in their hands. Um, you know, Mitchell hasn't been the greatest player uh, when the ball's not in his hands. And, and I don't know that Brunson – I think Brunson exploded more when Luca didn't have the ball in his hands, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he was able to really thrive when in those situations. So, um, you know, if you were to trade RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, I, I'm less worried about the Julius Randle trade than I am RJ Barrett because I think that RJ Barrett still has you know room before he hits his ceiling. Uh, he's he's only you know 21, 22 years old. He, he is going to get better, and he wants to get better. Um, and and that would scare me. Julius Randles, I think I think we we know what he is. Can he get back to being the player that he was in that All Star season? Six, you know, most improved. I think he can. But even is it, with him on your team as your best player, is he is that enough? Like we saw what happened. The Hawks got rid of them, in you know, before you blinked in, in the first round of a playoff. So I think losing him as a Nick fan, I don't think that hurts as much. You know, especially if you're going to get someone dynamic like Donovan Mitchell. But I do think that Mitchell the, the I am not as high on Donovan Mitchell as most people. So it, it would I would be nervous if I was a opposing GM looking to pick up Donovan Mitchell where I'm mortgaging my future saying, hey, I think this guy is going to be the best player on our team and we could get to the championship one day because I just don't see it. Teams that I think should think about it, Miami, um, you know, uh, team, teams, like, teams like Miami, they come to mind because Miami has, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in place where Mitchell does not come in and he's not the best guy. You know, he, he's probably the second or third option um, mm. on, our, on our roster. That's where I see him really thriving. Best player on the team? No. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. And that complicates it, but it has to be a team mm-hmm. like New York who are like, we're, we'll figure that out later. We'll, yeah. we'll figure that stuff. We're, we're not concerned if he can be the best player on the title contender. We're still trying to get over Kyrie and Kevin Durant picking Brooklyn and uh, just – trying to rebuild on the fly and uh, develop through the draft and like RJ like you said probably another level for him to get to and he had a really good season this past year and I mean the Randall stuff I'm sure they'll do whatever it takes to get off the Julius Randall contract but I I don't know I think it's kind of like best case scenario it's like a watered down version of what you saw in Dallas this past year with Luca and Jalen Brunson right like that's something you could probably build I mean that's just vets and those are guys like you have Dwight Powell and company and it's just uh streaky shooters and that's it like we'll mm-hmm. hopefully if Maxi Kleba Reggie Bullock and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith are on we'll win if they're not we lose like that's just it and uh, the Knicks can replicate something like that with relative ease with Brunson and uh, Mitchell but it's also a ceiling and it's just not a team that's going to win a title um, most likely if those are your two best players. 
But if I think about Tom Thibodeau, I think about Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson as my two league guards uh, to form to formulate just the exact kind of defensive structure and defensive uh, guys and length and wingspan. Like I just that's such a weird fit to to do that and ask of him. Um, I don't know, but it, the fact that it's seen as inevitability, I don't know. I. I wonder if this is going to start to really become a problem for the league where I've seen inevitability a lot lately, where you see it with Kevin Durant to focusy around the league, Kevin Durant to wherever is inevitability, Kyrie Irving to Los Angeles is an inevitability. And um, now everyone just kind of is becoming accustomed to guys just being like, "Mm, they're going to go where they want to go, but it's just going to be some public posturing until they get there and teams are kind of forced to take a bad deal to get this guy where he wants to go because they don't want to feel they they fear the retaliation from future stars if they don't do right by him and they don't put him in a better spot and do all that. I I don't know. Do you do you worry about that with the health of the league at all? I don't. I don't. Um because I think about all of the biggest trades that we've had in mm. the last 3 to 5 years, right? Like outside of the Anthony Davis trade, mm. um the players really didn't pick where they wanted to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, Kawhi Leonard ended up in Toronto. He he didn't know he wanted to be in Toronto. And all reports when he got there was, hey, he doesn't want to play here. They mm-hmm. it worked out for them. They ended up winning a title. Um, you know, you, you think about you know the the rumors around uh, what, you know KD and everything. You know, they 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 ended up going to Brooklyn, but as a free agent, you know, James Harden, same thing. Like it was between. Brooklyn and Philadelphia at the end of the day and Brooklyn made the best offer. You know, he, he didn't say, Hey, I want to specifically go to Brooklyn or Philadelphia. He just said, you know, get me out of here, get me on a contender and Brooklyn ended up making being the best offer. I, I think it, it gets overblown because, and this Kyrie KD situation is in the same you know scenario. Like KD can say he wants to go to Phoenix or Miami. The reality of the situation is neither of those teams have the package that's going to be able to really bring KD home. So mm-hmm. guess what? You're stuck wherever the nets decide they want to trade you or, you're playing in the Brooklyn Net, you know, with the Brooklyn Nets next season. You're, you're staying put. Same thing for Kyrie Irving. He could say he wants to, you know, go to LA or he wants to stay, which is the latest, you know, report out there. The Nets are the ones that are going to be able to control that, you know, in terms of uh, the package that they're able to to get back. And the Lakers just don't have assets. You know, I don't think the Nets want to deal with a, a Russell Westbrook or a season of Westbrook. Um, they, they'd rather just run it back with Kyrie as much of a headache that is, right? So. That is, I think it gets overblown in terms of like, you know, that the players are really controlling the lead because um, even in Donovan Mitchell situation, you know, yes, he wants to go to New York. But if you look, you know, I, actually, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell wants to go to New York, but the rumors are that he want you know, he, he would prefer to go to New York. Right. So but if you looked at it on paper and look at the teams that could offer the best package for the Jazz, the Knicks are, you know, if not one, they're one B. You know, mm-hmm. there's not many other teams that could go out there and, and, and acquire the Donovan Mitchell. If you, if you literally go through every team in the NBA, I can give you a reason as to why they are not going to end up with Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The only other team that I think that the Knicks uh, would have competition with for a great package would be the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there's not much out there um, because, you know, if you're Utah, you're looking at getting picks back. I'm not it's mm-hmm. not just players like it's, it's, it's a ton of picks back. And really, those two teams, well, the Raptors and the Knicks own all their picks, and then they would have players that Utah would want back in a trade. If you go through the list, and I, I don't want to do it now because it would take us time, but if you go through the list of all 30 teams in the NBA, I can go through and say, no, 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 for, for reasons that you know are very simple for us mm-hmm. to see. You know, it's 
you know, Atlanta would be you know, throwing Atlanta. Top. Why would Atlanta do that? They just went and got DeJounte Murray and then mm-hmm. they don't have any assets anymore. Boston, they just went to the finals and got better in the offseason by getting, you know, uh, Brogdon and uh, Gallinari. Why would they do that? You know, and, mm-hmm. and Chicago, they just, you know, re-signed Zach Levine. Why would they do that? Those are just the first three teams off, my, off the top of my head right there right. that you could just easily say no to. So Knicks... Uh, Raptors are probably the best two teams that have the opportunity to get a Donovan Mitchell, put the best package toward you know together for him. And it, it's not it's not crazy to hear that hey the Knicks are the destination for for Donovan Mitchell when I when I hear that because when you look at it they have the best package right like it's it's not just it would be weird to me if Donovan Mitchell said hey I want to go or if rumors were that I want to go to you know, Phoenix, and I only want to go to Phoenix, where we know Phoenix doesn't have anything that, you know, would be able to get, or or the Lakers, for example. Mm. Lakers can't make a move. You know, they, they, they want to be rumored to get everybody under the sun. They can't make a move that would, you know, and, you know get back at Donovan Mitchell. And I think that's where the difference is. And um, that's where I think out of the last five years or the last five big trades that we've seen where superstars have moved, it's AD that really was the only one that's, that scared me because A, it was. It wasn't only the threat of, hey, I only want to go to the Lakers, or the the, the perceived threat of only want. But he was also in his contract year, so you knew if you were, you know, an opposing team, why even bother? Like Boston, mm-hmm. I know wanted AD, uh, and they didn't bother because they knew they weren't going to be able to keep him, you know, past that that six month period. So that's the only one where you're really scared about how this is going in the league. It's it's in that final year of the deal. And the, the, the star makes the demand. And I know we're seeing a lot more of like three and four years on the deal and stars are making demands, like saying, I want out. But they're not, they're saying, I want out of the situation. They're not saying and not being able to dictate where they're ending up. I'm, I'm not, I'm not as scared about that because even with the trades that we've seen, you know, in the last two years, we've had the most parity um, mm. in, in the league that we've seen in a long time. Uh, I think I counted it the other day with Scott Rafty, our, my, my good colleague yeah. over at SportNews.com. Yeah, friend of the pod. Yeah, nine teams I would put on paper right now as teams that could win a title. You know, when Kevin Durant made a decision to go to the Golden State Warriors, there was two teams that you would mm-hmm. say, you know, would, would have a shot at winning the title. And it, that was Houston and Golden State. And then the year before that, the Cavs and Golden State. That was it, you know. Um, so I, I am – I'm – I'm not worried about it. And I know the league wants to address it, but it gives us stuff to talk about. I think fans are into it. This is the way that, you know, media is going. So I, I don't want to see it end. Um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the conversation. And I don't think it's a real problem for the league, especially if we're going to continue to have the parity that we've been having uh, over the last, I'll, I'll call it 15 months. Okay. Uh, some of the guys that you've been most impressed by Carlin. Oh man. Um, Keegan I'm not Murray. a sicko, and I can't watch it. I, yeah. I'm watching the Braves. I'm watching other stuff. I can't do it. I, I, I just can't watch. You, you need help if you're watching every game we start in <laughs> summer league. But I, I will say Keegan Murray is one of the guys that I'm really impressed by, um, mm. you know, in summer league. And and it's, it's not because he's, you know, jumping off the page and wowing us, um, you know, with his ability to, you know, to navigate and score. I, I always watch summer league to watch guys that, A, can they handle the NBA, you know, physicality and speed, and then also – how are they playing? Are they are they going hero ball? Are they trying to figure out to get guys involved? Are you know so Keegan Murray for me, he's been able to handle physicality and the speed of the league, but he's also you know putting up the averages I think he can put up on his team. Like mm. through two games, he's he's played thirty five minutes. He's averaged twenty one points, you know six rebounds, two point two and a half assists. 
those are good numbers, great numbers. Do I think he's going to average that for his entire rookie season? No. But the main one to me, he's only taken 13 and a half shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you were the guy in summer league coming in as a top five lottery pick, for the most part, most of those guys are trying to jack it up. You know, mm-hmm. most of those guys are trying to make sure that they get theirs. Um, and he hasn't done that. For, you know, comparatively speaking, Cam Thomas is averaging 19 shots per game in less than 30 minutes. Keegan Murray's playing 35 minutes and only taking 35 shots. Or sorry, uh, you know, 13 and a half shots. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can see Cam Thomas is going, hey, I want to showcase that I can light it up. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it an argument for more minutes. Keegan Murray's showing you that he can do a little bit more than just score. He's been able to defend and everything else. So he's the one that that's really jumped off the page for me. The other one is Ochai Abaji. He hasn't mm-hmm. shot the ball well. Uh, but again, 11 shots per game, you know, in, in over 30 minutes, shot 40% from three-point range. And, you know, that to me is a guy that came from, you know, Kansas, won a national title, was the go-to guy on that team, and he's still not getting in these games and looking for his to prove that I can be a go-to guy or I can be a playmaker. You know, he's happy taking seven and a half threes in these mm-hmm. summer league games to show you that I can do that, you know, once I, I get alongside the Darius Garland's and, um, you know, if Colin Sexton's still on the team, Colin Sexton's of the world, I don't need the ball in my hand. I can space the floor and, and you know, and give more space to the two bigs that you guys want to play. So Ochai Abaji and, uh, and Keegan Murray are two guys that I, I, I've been really impressed by so far in summer league. I like it. Uh, we'll end on this. The transition take foul out of the league now. Love Do you it. like this? Love it. It's my favorite rule changed since since allowing zone defense uh, back okay. into the NBA. It, I, I, you know, as you know, I do a lot of FIBA games. Um, mm. and I'll actually be doing the America Cup in, in Brazil in September. And in, you know, in FIBA play, there is no take foul. The, mm. That's been a rule for years. And it, what it does is it, it takes the the laziness out of defense. Like when you make a turnover, guess what? You got to haul your tail and get back <laughs> and, and try to prevent a layup like it used to be. And that's the way that the NBA should be played. That's the way the basketball should be played. Mm. I, I think it, the fans are going to love it um, because it, once we, it's going to be a, a growing pain though, uh, because I think there's going to be a lot of reviews the first six months of this and people mm. are going to complain uh, and complain and complain. But once we get past the, you know, the, the mental, uh, lapses that you know players are going to have in this take foul and realize the you know the severity of the penalty when you're not just giving up the ball now you're you're giving up the ball a shot and then you're allowing them to you know get a set play off of you an ATO off of mm-hmm. you that is you know that's points on the table and you know there's been so many I, I think watching the finals so many times where you know the Celtics who turned the ball over a ton would turn it over and they would get bailed out because, you know, Smart would take a foul. And you heard Jeff mm-hmm. Van Gunny cry all the time about why is Tatum taking this take foul? That's just this is just dumb to have your best player do that. But now it's not just that the take foul, it's you're you're giving Steph Curry, for example, a free shot. Who he could have been shooting over five at that point, and now mm-hmm. he sees the ball go through the hoop and any S possession. You know, that is that's that's going to be devastating for some teams. And uh, once we get past, you know, guys, just the the automatic like habit of hey, let's just take this take foul, and we allow more dunks, you know, more alley oops. Remember, there's you know, remember Gerald Green was like he was always on the highlight reels. He can score, but he was always on the highlight reel because he would try craziness in the middle of a game, and that's mm-hmm. what got him in a dunk contest. Can we find out who those guys are? Is Obi Toppin going to be the only guy that tries a through the legs dunk in traffic? He he might not have to do that anymore because he'll he'll have you know, the ability to show off. And I think for fans, they'll enjoy that once we get past the six-month period of, like, hey, every every foul is going to be reviewed. 
Mm. Um, and, and we just get back to highlights again. And also, like, you should be penalized for you know turning the rock over. You know, mm. Hopefully teams, you know, take it upon themselves to, to just not turn the ball over um, and, 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 you know, use that take foul. The one thing I will say in FIBA that might frustrate, it, it depends on how they call it in the NBA, but it frustrates some folks is that the take foul in FIBA, it, it, it could happen in the half court too. Like you have to make a play on the basketball period. Mm. It's not just a fast break. You have to make a play on the basketball period. So there's a lot of there's there's times in FIBA where you know someone will get beat off the dribble and he'll just reach out and grab someone's yeah. jersey and that's a take foul. You know that's that that's a, a unsportsmanlike foul as they call it in the FIBA. Mm-hmm. And you give up possession, you give up the the free throw and possession, and it's also a technical foul. Hmm. Uh, so you know it it is. I don't know if the NBA will go that far. Uh, because you'd have guys getting kicked out of games and important mm-hmm. players getting kicked out of play games. I don't think I, I would vote for that. But I do think that, you know, in the half court, I wouldn't mind seeing that either. You know, the, the, the old hack-a-shack that we used to see where he would beat you and then you just wrap him up. Like, get rid of that too. Like, yeah. just, let's just make this game as fun and free-flowing and force people to play defense. Like, if you get beat, you get beat. But, mm. you know, the take foul, I, I'm so happy that it's out. I'm I'm – nervous that fans are going to complain for the first six months because i do feel like the nba is going to review us out but i think it's the best rule change in my opinion since the uh since the allowing of uh of zone defense here there you go carlin what can the good folks look out for you across uh the internet this week uh i'm actually going to be down at acc media day my friend i'm, I'm are you I'm really switching over i'm switching over i'm going to do some college football for uh for the sporting news so that should be fun. That's next week. I'm um, excited to hear all the uh, expansion and uh, the uh, the grant of rights talk and, and all that stuff. No, I'm not. I, I want to talk football, but uh, <laughs> I, I am going to be down there in, uh, in, in, uh, in Charlotte here in, in four days of ACC football talk. And hopefully we can actually talk about stuff that's on the field and not all the uh, who's leaving, who's coming, who's going. And, you know, will the Pac-12 games and air up on uh, ACC Network? I don't want to hear all that stuff. I just want to mm. hear – Guys, talk football. There you go. At the Carlin Gay, go read the Sporting News. Great new website. Very clean. I like the new website. It The black and white and everything else. The new website is a game changer. As someone who is a strong critiquer of uh, of websites, and because uh, I want to read, and I don't want it to be complicated to read. And uh, there, uh, without going into too much detail, this version is a lot more uh, friendly. You, you, listen, you can say it. The other okay. version was terrible. I, okay, yeah. I, you know, I, I've said it internally. I've said it externally. It mm. was terrible. But yes, you know, we we went back to our roots. We added the sporting news yes. back into uh, into things. It's it's been great. So our friends over at uh, TSN globally, yeah. uh, as we're we're not just in the United States, we're uh, we're global. Um, you know, they, I think our product team. Shout out to them. They've done an incredible job with the site, and hopefully, it continues to get better. Absolutely, looks great. Sporting News, the Sporting News established 1886. Carlin, it was great reconnecting, my friend, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon. Yes, sir, and, and, and congrats again. Congrats again. Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for part one here on a Thursday here on the Chase Most Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. Hope you guys enjoyed part one with Carlin Gay of the Sporting News to talk all things NBA. If you enjoyed today's episode of the program, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you listened 
to today's episode. Uh, don't forget three-parter on today's show. So look out for that all in one place right here on the Chase Most Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. Uh, go check out all the other shows all across our network and all across this very feed. So youtube.com slash Chase Most Podcast, like and subscribe. Email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, part two coming up in just one second. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.